Hi, this is Malia Warner. Welcome to Power Principles, a podcast dedicated to giving you knowledge and power to elevate your life. This is episode 11, Permission to be Bad at Things. Hi, friends, and welcome to Power Principles, the podcast. Today's episode is a continuation of episode three, where we began discussing the power of permission. Permission is such an important principle because we often allow ourselves to get stuck in a rut because we lack permission to get ourselves out. Either we're waiting for someone else to lift us out or we're waiting for someone else to give us permission. We often give away our power because we think we can't do something unless someone has told us that we can. So episode three was all about the power of giving ourselves permission, and it was intended to be one episode. But as I recorded, I realized it was impossible to fit all the information in one episode, and so I decided to break it out into part one and part two. And in part two, I was going to break it into five principles, but each of those principles had so many sub-principles within that that one episode is becoming like eight episodes, maybe nine episodes. So here we are at episode 11, and today we're going to wrap up our Power of Permission series. So far, we've talked about the permission to make life easy, the permission to make decisions, permission to be happy, and permission to play, which then broke off three more episodes, permission to have a playful marriage, permission to play to get over the winter blues, and permission to play with kids and the power of play for children. Permission is such an important topic because a lot of times, probably the majority of times, our actions are dictated by the voices in our head. I have a panel of imaginary judges in my head who tell me what I can or can't do, what I should or I shouldn't do. And I think these judges are speaking on behalf of all the people in my life, my neighbors, my church people, my parents, the parents of my children's friends, my spouse. And in my head, their voices sound exactly like my neighbors, exactly like my church people. And I think, or I should say, I believe that what these voices say to me is really what my people think about what I should or shouldn't do. When the truth is, I don't know what my neighbors think I should or shouldn't do. Honestly, my neighbors probably aren't even thinking about me at all. They have their own lives. They have their plates full with their own issues. But still, I listen and I hearken and follow these voices as if they were real, as if they really have jurisdiction and real authority over me. They don't. They don't exist. The panel of judges is my own brain, making up excuses and making it sound like it comes from other people. So permission is a power principle because giving ourselves permission is the act of taking my own voice and putting me in charge of the panel of judges. I make my own voice the Supreme Court Chief Justice. I decide my own rulings. I declare the verdicts. I give myself permission to be in charge of my own life. Permission is an act of agency and accountability. Granting myself permission is saying that I decide what I want and I also take responsibility for the results. No more blaming other people, no more blaming the neighbors or the church people or the parents of friends for whatever does or does not happen in my life. 
I don't have to have outside permission to move ahead. I don't have to have anyone else's approval to make decisions in my own life. I want to reference here the Brooke Snow podcast. If you haven't listened to Brooke Snow, I highly recommend her. She is fantastic. And her episode 28 is entitled Choosing You. I'll link to it on my podcast notes and on my website. And what she talks about goes hand in hand with this principle of permission, that we don't have to get permission to try something by waiting for someone to ask us to do it or assigning us to do it or say that they think we would be really good at it or that we should or telling us that we're good enough. And she gives an example of when she was in college studying music composition and she composed an opera and performed it at her college. And a fellow music student afterwards came up and said, wow, I wish that they would have asked me to compose an opera. And she said, nobody asked me to do it. I decided to do it. I decided to go for it. She hadn't waited for someone to tell her that she was good enough or that it was okay. She didn't wait for it to be an assignment for her major. She gave herself permission to try to compose an opera and then she went ahead and did it. The truth is that at any time, we have the power, the privilege, the ability, and the freedom, it's called agency, to give ourselves permission. Today, here we are at episode number 11, wrapping up the final principle in the permission series. And today's episode is permission to be bad at things. Isn't that such a terrible title? I have struggled to know what to call this because I can't call it permission to be bad bad. I'm not talking about permission to put on a black mask and go rob a bank or buying out the shelves of spray paint at Home Depot and vandalizing all the stop signs in your town. I'm not talking about giving yourselves permission to be bad. I'm talking about, and how do I word this? Because I don't want to say permission to be imperfect. We hear imperfect so much that it kind of becomes a watered down word so much that it's almost like you just tune out when you hear it. Just, yeah, tune out. Don't know what we're talking about anymore. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about permission to not be good at things and try them anyway. I'm talking about not needing to be a professional or famous in order to do things you want to do and try things you want to try. You don't have to be a professional dancer to love to dance. You don't have to be a professional singer to sing. If I want to wake up in the morning and turn on my 80s rock jams and boogie on my trampoline and dust off the old Roger Rabbit move and the running man, and I'm doing the running man right here, that's okay. I can do it. I can do that every morning. It doesn't matter if I ever become a professional dancer or not. It doesn't matter if I ever perform it. It doesn't matter if I ever dance for anyone or not. It is okay for me to do it for my own enjoyment and because I can. It doesn't matter my level of ability. It doesn't matter how I look. Nobody needs to see it, but I don't have to be good at it in order to do it. So that is today's topic. Giving myself permission to be an amateur, to be a beginner, to do things at whatever level I'm at. When we give ourselves permission to do something poorly, it's incredibly liberating. I remember the first time I watched the movie Pride and Prejudice, the scene where Elizabeth plays the piano and Mr. Darcy is there and the stuffy old aunt. 
And watching the movie had more of an impact than reading the scene because when I read the scene and she was saying that she played poorly, well, I didn't know if that was just modesty. In the movie, she really played poorly. She was coming down on the wrong notes. She was hesitating with the timing. And I was so struck by her confidence because I would not have been that way. I would have died of humiliation to even think of someone witnessing me make mistakes, play the wrong notes. I would have been so embarrassed what they were thinking about my lack of ability or my lack of dedication to practice. And even with Mr. Darcy in the room, Elizabeth just played. And however she played was fine with her. It was what it was. She didn't need to make it any more or any less. I have wanted to be a writer since I was 11 years old. Or 9 years old, really. How old are you when you're in 4th grade? 9 years old. 4th grade was really the year that I discovered writing. But I'd always suppressed that dream for a lot of reasons that I won't go into today. But I have to say that one of the perks of going through postpartum depression and chronic illness is that I had hit such physical and emotional rock bottoms that it took away a lot of the fear of failure. I suppose because... I had gotten too sick and too tired to continue to hold up this mask of perfection that it really forced me to let go of the mask of perfection. And as I started to heal, I discovered a sort of newfound courage to try things I wouldn't have tried before. So I showed up to my first writer's class at the American Fork City Hall, and I'd always wanted to write children's books or maybe a novel, maybe women's fiction, anything really. And as I went through the class, I experimented writing a lot of different things. But I always kept coming back to writing my story about my journey through postpartum depression, my journey through healing. And I didn't really want to write that, or at least I didn't want to write that to share with other people. I didn't really want other people to know all of that messy stuff. But it had been such a crucible of learning and it was so much on my mind. And for a year, I tried to write other things and nothing would come out. And so finally, I just decided, okay, I have to write this story so I can get it out of my system and move on to other projects that I do want to do. So I told my husband, I'm going to take one year and write this story. Actually, I think I told him I'm going to take a month and write this story. I remember I started over Christmas break because I had older kids to watch the younger ones. My parents let me book their timeshare and I went away for three days thinking that I would get the bulk of it done and then spend the rest of the year fine tuning. Three days I spent wrestling with words. I could not figure out how to tell the story. So needless to say, three months became one year and one year became two years and two years became three years and I was wrestling and wrestling with this manuscript and it felt like writing was so hard, just this monstrous task. And when I would sit down to write, I felt like a gladiator that had been thrown back into an arena with a three-headed monster that I had to battle yet again. And I kept asking myself, why do I keep coming back? For more. And that's just a testament to the insanity of writers or anyone who feels compelled to create something that we just keep putting ourselves back in the arena for more punishment. I guess that's how mothering is. You deliver one baby and you think, I will never go through that again. And some women are smart enough that they don't. But some of us are just gluttons for punishment and we go back to the arena again, pregnant and growing fat with this project and wrestling and fighting with the pain of delivery and just hoping that we can get it to come out of us. And I think the only thing that keeps me going is the hope that the final product will be worth it. 
And I'm happy to say that as far as the mothering goes, yes, I have five final products that have been worth it and they're getting even better as they go. So as time goes on, I discover that the writing process is painful. I'm discovering that I am terribly bad at it. It turns out I didn't know a thing about writing. I was still double spacing after periods. And that's only a format issue. A lot of people think, and I know I did before going into it, that writing is formatting, that it's simply word choice, selecting a few clever adjectives, some crafty sentences, get correct spelling and grammar, and bada bang, you're on your way. That's just the mechanics. Writing, storytelling, it's art. It requires skill, knowledge, oh, and something even more painful, practice. It was going to take me a lot of hours of practice. And it was about this time that I became really grateful that my mother made me practice the piano. In the writing world, there's an acronym BIC, B-I-C. It means put your butt in chair. Sit down, glue your butt to the chair, and write. And practicing the piano taught me that. I learned how to sit down, set a timer, and do a practice session. And when you're practicing music, the progression is minute. The measurement of progress is almost microscopic. You can't see a big change from Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday. It's only after six months or after a year that you go back and realize that you have been making progress on that Chopin nocturne. When I lived in Arizona and I was teaching piano lessons, my adult beginning students always struggled the most because as adults, we hate to be beginners. We want to be at the end already. We know how the Beethoven prelude is supposed to sound, and we know that our rendition of Mary Had a Little Lamb sounds nothing like it. It's embarrassing to fumble up on a C major scale. My nine and 10-year-old students were fine. They were learning everything in their life. They were barely learning how to read and how to do math, so they expected to be beginners, and they expected to make a lot of mistakes, for the most part. I did have a couple of young students who were really paralyzed anytime they made a mistake. And now I don't even like to call those notes mistakes because I really believe they're stepping stones to progress. And that's why I didn't want to call this episode being willing to be imperfect because I don't believe that being a beginner is the same as being imperfect. On my office wall, I have a picture that my son drew for me in first grade and it's his portrait of me, his mother. And I have to say, I kind of look like the Mona Lisa etched in crayon. And that picture has been hanging on my wall three years now. Is it a perfect portrait? It is to me. Perfect, imperfect, they're all relative. I love the Greek translation of the word perfect, which is teleos, and signifies much more a development, much more moving toward completion. And I rely on that definition when I'm writing a draft or when I'm recording a podcast. It's far more important to be complete than to be perfect. The world-renowned journalist George Will said, the pursuit of perfection often impedes improvement. And wow, I know this is true. When I focus too much on trying to make a perfect podcast or an awesome podcast, it nearly paralyzes me with fear to the point that I can hardly get any words to come out. Instead, if I focus on completing a podcast, it's more important for it to be finished than for it to be perfect. Then I'm better able to show up, do my thing, do it the best I can, and call it good enough because it is. 
Imperfect art that exists in reality is far better than perfect art that exists only in one's imagination. In the early years of my writing class, we learned about Malcolm Gladwell's theory of 10,000 hours that he presents in his book, Outliers. He writes that to become an expert in any area, it takes about 10,000 hours. And our writing teacher was explaining that it will take some time to get published. And we broke it down and calculated that if we were to write three hours every day, it would take between nine and 10 years to have written 10,000 hours. And I'm thinking, it is not going to take me nine to 10 years to become a published author. No way. I'm going to get this postpartum depression story out of my system and I'm going to move on to books and I will be published in a couple of years. And then somewhere in the back of my mind, I thought, okay, but if not, I'm okay with 10 years, three hours a day. I can do that between nap times and preschool, some evenings and some hours on Saturday. I think I can get in three hours a day. And I made a kind of vow with myself that I would do that and I would stick with it and I would just keep writing every day for as long as it took until I became an expert. If Malcolm Gladwell says that I can become an expert in 10,000 hours, I will take him on his word and I will pay my 10,000 hours. I will pay my due diligence. Still, I believed I could do it a lot sooner, but it wasn't a bad contingency plan. How hard could it be to write a book, right? So fast forward 10 years later, and I am working on my 12th draft of my postpartum depression story. I am really happy to say that draft number 11 won second place in the Utah Arts Council original writing competition. And I'm currently taking the feedback from the judge and making the manuscript better. And one of the things that has helped me most to survive through the past 10 years has been learning the principle of giving myself permission to be bad at writing. Learning to give myself permission, like Elizabeth Bennett did, to write poorly. I have to be willing to be bad at writing before I can ever be good at writing. I can't skip over that awkward learning phase. It's like none of us can skip past seventh grade, those awkward teenage years, the pimples, the braces, the thick eyeglasses, the painful lack of self-esteem. We can't fast forward past that. We have to trudge straight through. This is true with any skill we want to develop. We have to be willing to be bad before we can be good. We have to play with lots of mistakes. We have to be willing to write paragraphs that are embarrassingly ABC Darian. Isn't that a great word? That is a real word, people. ABC Darian. It sounds like ABC and it literally means a person learning their ABCs or someone who is a beginner. Once I learned that I needed to be bad before I could be good, I stopped trying to write my final draft and could relax into writing whichever draft came out. And because I was writing about postpartum depression and the darkest time of my life, it felt like I was literally throwing up all over the page. I felt like I was vomiting up words. And I thought that is a really disgusting metaphor. And then I read Anne Lamott's book on writing entitled Bird by Bird. And she also calls the first draft a process of puking. And if Anne Lamont felt that way about writing, then I think I'm in pretty good company. Striving for perfection is one of the surest ways to freeze ourselves in our tracks. More often than not, we simply need to show up and do what we can on that day at that time. 
an excellent quotation from one of my all-time favorite novels, East of Eden by John Steinbeck, spoken by one of my favorite characters, the Chinese cook and housekeeper. He says, And now that you don't have to be perfect, you can be good. I love that. I'll say it again. And now that you don't have to be perfect, you can be good. Giving ourselves permission to be bad at things basically gives ourselves permission to move forward. It's not as important that we do something spectacularly well as that we do something. Forget fame, forget fortune, and just do it. My grandma Evelyn loved writing, and I like to think that we're kindred writers in spirit. And what she mostly wrote in her life were letters and journals and lessons and presentations for Daughters of the Utah Pioneers. She created family volumes that she called These Precious Things, filled with funny family stories, poetry, miraculous things that had happened in families, hard things that had happened in our families. And my favorite section of the volume that I always wanted my mother to read first when we got a new edition every Christmas was the section called The Grandchildren Speak. And it was a collection of all of the funny things that Grandma Evelyn's grandchildren had said during the year. And my mother would read aloud and I'd hear the anecdotes of my cousins being silly and and funny things that had happened. And we would just be rolling over with belly laughter. And I love that my grandmother used her writing skills to create, period. So don't worry about who it's for or if anyone will ever see it or if anyone will ever like it if they see it. I heard J.K. Rowling say that she wrote Harry Potter for herself, and I believe that. I believe our best authentic creations come when we let go of perfectionism, when we let go of trying to be an expert, and we just organically open ourselves to whatever comes out. Good, bad, poignant, ugly, embarrassing, profound. Tony Robbins says, Creativity is often blocked by trying to be perfect. Creativity is allowing yourselves to make mistakes. And again, I don't like the term mistakes. I think they're all stepping stones. That in writing, the pinnacle of beautiful words is built upon the foundation of all of the thousands of words that have come before. Let us not forget that perfection can be boring. You know how it feels when you watch Olympic athletes, gymnasts, or divers, and they do these phenomenal tricks and they make it look so easy that it's almost not impressive because you don't realize how difficult it is. Whoever it was that came up with the idea of putting a regular person alongside an Olympic athlete to show the difference, that's genius because I think I saw this a little bit at the last Summer Olympics that they would show the Olympic swimmers and then they would put a little diagram in the pool of what an average adult swimmer in pretty decent physical shape what their speed would be in comparison to the Olympic athletes and you're like oh wow that is really amazing what they're doing and it helps me put perspective on the reality that sometimes it's not perfection that is the most impressive it's the striving for perfection or the missing perfection that actually endears us to people. I love a story told about a woman, an adult woman who in her later years was learning to play the piano. Lots of piano stories today. And she prepared a piece to perform for the ladies at church. And she practiced and practiced and she had her piece learned. And she went on Sunday and she put her music up and she started and she just got so messed up and fumbled that she had to stop and start all over. 
And the woman telling the story was in the audience. And she said, we all loved her more because we could see how difficult it was for her because we could see how hard she'd worked, that it didn't come naturally, that it didn't come easily, and her willingness to try to put her stage fright aside and share her music with us. When she began again and finished the piece, we appreciated it more. And for all of this, it was some of the most beautiful music I've ever heard played in church. And that brings us to the conclusion of this power principle. The principle of giving yourself permission to be bad at things. Permission to be an ABCDarian, a beginner, an amateur. Permission to pursue something at your own pace for no other reason than your own personal enjoyment and growth. I wish you a fabulous week giving yourself permission to be bad at something. Giving yourself permission to be a beginner, to improve at your own rate. Give yourself permission to be proud of your accomplishments at any level. Give yourself permission to be you. This is Malia Warner. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Power Principles, the podcast. I'll see you next week for episode 12, and it's a good one. I'm really excited. I'll see you there. Have a great week. Bye-bye.